surprised to see me. I was surprised that I was going to be up here too a little while ago. So uh, I was told that I needed to teach this class, so I said, okay. So I went home and after work and pulled out a lesson I did at another place back early in the summer, and that's what we're going to do tonight. Before we begin, would you bow with me? Lord, we are grateful that we can be together. We are thankful that we can study your word. We pray that the things we study will benefit lives to help us grow closer to you and to be better people. Just bless us in all that we do. Be with those that are sick and struggling in whatever ways that they may be. Help them and help their families. Again, thank you for all things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would open your Bible to the book of Jonah. I was asked to do a lesson, like I said, early in the summer about Jonah being not a typical prophet. And we're going to talk about Jonah maybe in a little different light than, than what you normally hear Jonah talked about. You know, Jonah was mentioned by Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 and again in Matthew chapter 16, but Jesus doesn't paint him in any kind of special light. He simply says, you guys are, are looking for a sign, and, and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're always looking for a sign. He said there'll be no sign given except the sign of Jonah. In essence, he's saying like Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days, I'll be in the belly of the earth for three days. So Jesus, he didn't say anything special about Jonah. He didn't brag on him because, again, Jonah is a different type of prophet. Normally when you read through the Old Testament and you, and you look at prophets, man, these are men of God. These are men that will sacrifice their life, uh, their livelihood, everything, to preach the word of God, but Jonah is the complete opposite. Jonah is a man that does not want to do what God wants him to do. Jonah is a man that is going to typify Israel. You know, we did a class in here for several weeks about typology, and we looked at all the different ways in the Old Testament things that, that typifies things that we have in the New Testament. Jonah is simply just going to be a type of Israel. Jonah is very stubborn. Jonah is not uh, penitent at all, not in any shape, form, or fashion. And maybe you think he is, and maybe you think he repented. But we're going to look tonight in his prayer, there's no admission of guilt. There's no offering up to God, God, I've sinned against you. God, I should have listened to you. He doesn't say any of that. Jonah is a different type of individual. So tonight, I, I want to open up, and I want to look a little bit, little bit about Jonah. Hold your finger at Jonah, and we're going to look, and we're going to find out when Jonah lived. 2 Kings chapter 14, I'll read it if you don't want to turn there. But we find that Jonah lived about 150 years uh, after uh, Solomon reigned. And normally I don't think, you know, a lot of times that's not really important, but I think it's very important to understand one thing that happened during the time that Jonah was a prophet. In 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible says, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, this is Jeroboam the second, uh, not the first one, the second one. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria. And he reigned forty-one years. Listen to this, verse 24. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. Remember Jeroboam the first, he was the one that made the golden calves, changed the place of worship, the time of worship. He changed everything. And when there was a, an especially evil king, 
the Bible would say uh, that he walked in the ways of the first Jeroboam. So this is the shape uh, that the nation of Israel is in during the time of Jonah, and that's important because God, again, is going to use the book of Jonah to teach uh, the Israelites and us a lesson. So Israel was very, very evil. Verse 25, though, listen to this. But yet he restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Amoth, the sea of Arba, according to the word of the Lord of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper in Israel. And the Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Here's what I want us to understand. The nation of Israel, we said, was very evil, right? They were wicked. Jeroboam walked in all the sins of the first Jeroboam, so they were trenched in idolatry. They were not doing what the Lord said, but yet, what did, what did we just read? The Lord still helped them. The Lord was still gracious to them. The Lord restored their land unto them. The Lord felt pity and compassion for these people. And this is during the time of Jonah the prophet. Alright? So, Jonah has been an eyewitness to this. He has lived and he had seen people that did not deserve God's grace and mercy whatsoever. He experienced that. Well, when we open the book of Jonah and we're about to do that... God asked Jonah, he says, I want you to, verse 2, rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Let me ask you something. Was Nineveh great? Were they good people? The Ninevites? The Assyrians? You see, Nineveh, it's the, it's the capital of Assyria, and, and the city was built by Nimrod all the way back uh, that we read about in Genesis chapter 10. So it's an old, old city. Were they good people? Oh, they were, they were wicked people. They were Gentile people. Did they deserve the mercy of God? No. But you see, Jonah doesn't want to go preach. Why? Because he knows God's going to be gracious to him. Here's the problem. Jonah has experienced in his own work for the Lord as a prophet, he has experienced God being gracious to the Israelites, even though they are exceedingly wicked even though they're following all the ways of the first Jeroboam, but yet God's still gracious to them. God still restores their land unto them. God does not blot out their name from under heaven. God has done everything he can possibly do for them, even though they're wicked. And yet Jonah, Jonah has an opportunity to, to act like God, in essence. To go and show the same grace and mercy to someone who is wicked, and he doesn't want to do it. You see... All through these years, I, I, I've read about Jonah, and I really, you just naturally assume he's a good guy, that he's you know, a really good man. He's a prophet of the Lord. There's a book of the Bible named after Jonah. But after I did this other lesson, I've come to realize Jonah is, is not a great man. He's not a great man at all. In fact, Jonah, like I said, his attitude doesn't change really from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. You see, the book of Jonah is just like the whole Old Testament. The book of Jonah closes, and at the end of the book, what do you got? You got Jonah is angry with God because he has, number one, he has forgiven these people from Nineveh. Number two, because God had caused the gourd. If you remember, at the end of the book, he's sitting on the hill, he's angry, he's just going to wait and see what God does, and God causes the gourd to grow and to shade him, and then God causes the gourd to die. 
Well, then Jonah's mad about that, and he says, I'm even angry to the point that I just wish I'd die, Lord. And the book closes, Jonah is unrepentant. Jonah is living in a sinful uh, way before the Lord. What's the solution? The book closes, right? Abruptly. There's no solution. It's just they, they won't repent, and there's no solution to the problem. How does the Old Testament end? Same way, right? People won't repent. And God finally just says, there it is. 400 years, God doesn't say anything. So you see, when we look at Jonah, we can see that, that all of these things that we see in the Old Testament and, and also uh, see with Jonah, it's the same. And one interesting thing about God is God doesn't paint these Bible characters in a light that is unrealistic. You know, God reveals all these things that these people did that were bad. And I think he does that for our benefit to show us that, you know, just because you're a man of God doesn't mean you're going to always do things 100% correct. You're going to have struggles and hardships and all of that. And, Jonah, and God definitely doesn't paint Jonah in a bright light. So let's go into the book, and we're going to learn a few things, and then we're going to make some application uh, as we go along. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now we've already said that, that Nineveh were Gentiles. And during the time of, of Israel, they didn't like Gentiles. And we know that, right? They called them dogs. They called them outsiders. They called them everything. They wanted no part of that. But we immediately learn a lesson that God cares about everybody. And Jonah needed to learn this lesson. And we need to learn this lesson today. We're going to see that what Jonah is doing here is he's profiling. You know, he says, those people, they don't, they don't need the Word of God. Those people don't need to be saved. Those people don't deserve to be saved. And, and ultimately, if, if we're honest, sometimes we feel the same way sometimes about certain groups of people. And we may deny it, but ultimately we do. You ever just decided that maybe you shouldn't talk to this person or that person or this group of people about the gospel? Because ultimately, in your mind, you think that they don't need it. They're too wicked. They're not going to change. They're... Sometimes we profile people. And that's exactly what Jonah's doing. But you see, Jonah didn't understand that, that God, you know, even during this time period, uh, that, that these people of Nineveh, they lived under a law. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it was the law of conscience. Uh, of you know Romans 1, verse 20, everybody knows there's a God. It's inexcusable not to know there's a God. It's, it's all around us. His invisible attributes, they surround us. So these people knew there were a God, and they lived under a law of conscience, uh, of doing morally what is right and wrong. And yet God, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, God is not a respecter of person, but in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted of him. And that's always been true with God. And yet Jonah, he, he didn't want any part of that. He didn't really want to be the person that was going to go to a Gentiles. And, and that carries all the way into the New Testament. Did Peter want to go to the Gentiles? No, he didn't want to because he was the same way Peter profiled. God, they don't deserve the gospel. We, we've got to go somewhere else. 
It's got to be anybody else. And that's pretty much where Jonah was at. Verse 3, But Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down, and I underline this in my Bible every time, down. Where's God at? He's up, right? He's up. If God is up and he's in heaven way farther than we can reach, if you want to get away from God, what are you going to do? You're going to go down, right? So Jonah just continues to go down, down. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going down to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want you to notice it says it two times uh, here in this verse. Jonah is trying to get away from the Lord. He wants to do anything that is absolutely possible to get away from the Lord. Now, do people do that today? Try to hide from God. You know, I'm not convinced. You know, sometimes people say maybe Jonah is trying to hide from God, and maybe he is, but ultimately I think Jonah is just trying to quit. If God says, I want you to go this direction and preach, if I go this direction, what happens? I can't go that way and preach because I have went the opposite way. So if I get far enough away from God, he's just going to realize, well, he's too far away. He can't go preach. And ultimately, Jonah thinks, I, I'm going to get out of this thing. I'm going to be able to get out and I'm going to get away with it and, and, and I just need to get away from God. Well, that didn't work for him and, and it's not going to work for us. And We need to understand that. You see, apparently these Ninevites, apparently their iniquity level their whatever, however you want to call it, apparently it was full. It was to the point that that they were going to have to repent or God was going to take them out. But you see, God had a bigger plan uh, for these Assyrian people. God is going to use these people to take out his people a little bit later on. So God wants these people to repent and to get their life straightened out to preserve their life until God is going to use these people to accomplish his purpose. God raises up kingdoms. Jeremiah tells us this about Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. God raised him up to take out his people, the nation of Judah. God is doing the same thing here in the book of Jonah. He is preserving the life of the Ninevites to raise them up to take out the Israelites. And you see, the problem is when the iniquity of a nation gets full, and that's talked about in Genesis chapter 15. You know, their iniquity is not yet full. Once it gets full, God's going to do something about it. And that's a concern for me here in this nation. What's going to happen when our iniquity gets full? Well, God's going to do something about it. God's never changed. He's never changed. And you see, we learn all of those lessons as we study uh, through the Old Testament. So Jonah, he wants to quit. He wants to get away from God. But verse 4 says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Again, we said we can't hide from God. We can't quit on God. God's will is going to be done. And Jonah's going to have to learn this the hard way. In essence, I want you to think about this. Jonah trying to run away from God and getting on this ship and going far away was a very, very selfish thing. I already said Jonah was, was disobedient. Jonah was not penitent. But Jonah is very, very selfish. Did Jonah know, uh, did he know about God? Did he know how God operated? If you were chosen to be a prophet and your job was to tell the things that God had done and was going to do, did, you, did he know how God operated? 
Did he know that when he ran away from God, God was going to do something about it? You know he knew that. So in essence, what he's doing when he got on that boat with all of these people, his selfishness is going to put every one of those people in danger. Every one of them. You see, Jonah's not concerned about himself. He's not concerned about anybody but himself, I should say. He's not thinking uh, the way that, that he should think. Verse 5, then the mariners were afraid. Now don't you notice these guys were Gentiles. These guys were, were not good people. They're not godly people. In fact, we're going to find out they're idolatrous people. They're going to cry out to their own gods. But here's these guys, uh, these guys that are on the ship. It says they were afraid. And every man cried out to his God. Again, they're idolaters. They're crying out to all of these different gods. Maybe they think there's a God of the ocean and a God of whatever the sky. And it says they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. So not only is Jonah putting these guys' lives at risk, but he's putting their livelihood at risk because of his selfishness. And sometimes our selfishness, it not only affects us, but it affects the people around us, doesn't it? And there's another lesson uh, that we can gain from all of this. When we refuse to do what, what is right and we, are, we become concerned with self, it not only affects us, but it affects everybody. And we should always take that into consideration. Verse, let's see, verse 6. It says, But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. I, I'm, I'm always amazed when I read that, that this storm is so bad that, that, I mean, these guys are terrified. They're throwing everything they've got overboard. They're trying to lighten the load. And during every bit of this, Jonah's asleep. Again, selfish. He's not concerned about anyone but himself. It says, so the captain came to him and he said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Don't you think under normal circumstances, a man of God during a time period such as this would be praying. If you were in the bottom of a boat and this thing was rocking like crazy, what would you be doing? There's not a person in here who wouldn't be begging God to help them out, right? Well, these, these Gentile, these wicked men, they have come to realize that, you know, when you get in a hard time, you need to pray. Well, what's Jonah going to pray for? I mean, I know what he should pray for, but ultimately, what's Jonah going to say at this point? God, this is all my fault. You know, kill me. Do. But remember, Jonah's selfish. That's what he should be saying. God, this is my fault. I've ran away from you. If you'll just calm this storm and get me out, then I, I'm going to go to Nineveh right now. I'll do everything that you said. But what's he doing? Nothing. He's not talking to God. Because ultimately... Now get this, ultimately he's not sorry. He's not sorry. And we'll prove that as we go along. So you've got these heathen men that are more religious at this point than, than a man of God is. All right, verse 7. And they said to one another, Come and let us cast lots. Casting lots was something, according to Proverbs 16, verse 33, uh, that men would do at this time period. And the Bible says the Lord is the one that is in charge of that. The Lord is the one when a lot is cast. He's the one that's in charge of who it falls on. 
if you remember Jesus' crucifixion, they cast lots for his, his clothing, and, and maybe you remember all of that. So they cast lots that we may know for whom this cause, this trouble has come upon us. They want to figure out what's going on. Even these heathen men believed that if bad things happened to you, then apparently you had done something wrong. Now this was a common belief then, and, and it's still a common belief for a lot of people today. Uh, Jesus, in, in Isaiah 53, verse 4, the Bible says that, that people thought that he was a bad man, ultimately, because he was on the cross. Apparently, he was a sinful individual, a very bad man. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there. When the Apostle Paul was bitten by a snake, when he was shipwrecked on the island, what did the people say? Man, this guy must be a murderer. He's a bad guy. Otherwise, a snake wouldn't have bit him. So these guys, they believe the same way. We've got to figure out who has done something bad for this to have happened to us. And, and yet you and I know that that's not always true. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. But in this instance, it is true. It is true. They didn't understand that yet, didn't know it yet. So they said they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Please tell us, whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Let me ask you. If you're in a boat and you think you are about to die and you've got rid of everything you can get rid of and you figured out that the person that is causing all of this is right here in your midst, odds are what are you going to do to them? Think about it. You're going to chuck them overboard, right? You're going to get rid of them. I mean, if it's his fault... And, and you're not a, a God-fearing person. You're a heathen. You know, these are roughneck guys. And they know it's his fault. But I want you to see they're more gracious than Jonah ever thought about being. Jonah needed to learn these lessons. He needed to learn these lessons. These guys are gracious. But I want us to know something else. They were profilers too. They were trying to figure this guy out. What's your occupation? Let me ask you something. If it's his fault that this storm is coming, what does that matter? You ever consider that? What does it matter? If Jonah had said, you know, I'm just somebody that uh, picks up sticks for a living, well, then they'd say, well, he's a nobody, and we might chuck him over. But what if he just said, you know, I'm a doctor? What would have happened? You see, we look at people different, don't we? We, we? we make stereotypes, if you will. You see, ultimately, these questions, they really don't make sense, but they teach me something that we do the same thing. What's your occupation? doesn't matter where do you come from ultimately that doesn't matter but don't we treat people differently based on where they come from say, no we don't do that yeah yeah we do what's your country what people are you again we need to learn to get rid of all of those things those things are, are not important verse 9 Jonah speaking so he said to them I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land is that a lie? Does Jonah fear the Lord? If you fear the Lord, what do you do? You obey him. You do what he said to do. Jonah is bald-faced lying right here. I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. If he fears the Lord, why doesn't he own up to this right now? Why doesn't he own up to it and take care of this problem? You see, these... These sailors are going to learn something about Jonah here, verse 10. It says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid, 
And they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. These men, even though they're heathens, they're shocked by the willful disobedience of Jodah. These men had more faith and more morality about them than Jonah did. Why have you ran from the Lord? If you're God, you think they'd heard of the God of Israel? I think probably most everybody during this time period, they heard of the God of Israel. He did amazing things all throughout all this history. They'd heard of him. Why do you run away from that God? Maybe they didn't believe he was the only God, but they, uh, they were still shocked by Jonah. All right, verse 11. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. What can we do? Again, showing grace. You know, uh, uh, maybe they should have just, under normal circumstances, threw him overboard, did whatever, killed him, whatever it may be. But what can we do? Tell us, how do, we, how do we solve this problem? Verse 12, And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Was that selfish? Ultimately, if Jonah knew that all of this was his fault, and if he would just get out of the boat... Everything would be all right. If he knew that, why didn't he just climb up on the side of the ship and jump in the ocean? Because he's selfish. He's selfish. And he says, if you guys want this to stop, ultimately, here's what he's saying, you kill me. Kill me. You throw me overboard. You see, Jonah, again, he, he's a very selfish man. He, he's not gracious. Maybe Jonah's at the point in his life that he thinks, hey, They'll just throw me overboard and I die. You know what? I don't have to go to Nineveh. I really believe that's how Jonah feels at this point. If I just die, I don't have to obey God anymore. I don't have to preach to those people. I don't have to see God forgive those people. It'll all be over. But don't you notice verse 13? Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Again, gracious, gracious sailors and selfish, selfish Jonah. It says, therefore, they cried out to the Lord and he said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. In all of this account, we have not one instance of Jonah praying to the God of heaven. What are these sailors doing right now? They're praying to the God of heaven. And again, they are more concerned about what God thinks right now than anything else. Jonah's still not concerned about it. All right. Please, please don't uh, bring this against us. He says, verse 13, or verse 15, So they picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. You know, Jonah didn't want to convert people. He didn't want to preach to Gentiles. He didn't want to convert Gentiles. But you know what he just did? Unknowingly. Unwillingly, maybe. You know what he just did? He converted Gentiles, didn't he? These men, upon all of this, now they believe in the God of heaven. Now they're taking vows. Now they're, they are desiring uh, to do what is right. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days Three nights. God's got a plan 
to see if he can bring these, this unrepentant man back to his senses and get him to, to see what it is he needs to do. And I want you to remember, this whole book is representing Israel. Didn't God do the same thing to Israel? He would bring them low. You know, we're going to find out in a minute, this fish is going to take Jonah. Where's this fish going? He's going down. He's going to bring him low, low, low. And God is trying to get his nation to repent over and over and over again. But it seems like just like the nation of Israel, just like Jonah, stubborn. And not wanting to give in whatsoever. I want to I want to read Jonah's prayer in verse three or chapter two. And I want you to tell me where you see actual repentance. It says, Jonah prayed. Finally, finally he's going to pray. I'd be I'd be praying too if I was in a fish's belly instead of live. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. I want you to notice that. He, he hadn't cried out to him yet, but he's crying out to him now. Why? His affliction. And you know Proverbs chapter 1 says something about that. If you wait, if you wait, this is wise man Solomon tells us, if you wait till, till all of these bad things happen to you and you just do whatever you want to do and you wait until the, till that happens, God says, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. Jonah has waited till there's nothing else he can possibly do and then he cried out uh, because of his affliction, but the Lord, the Lord answered him. Lord still loved him just like Lord still loved Israel. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, but yet I will look again to your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, well, then I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you. When all else failed and I couldn't get away, maybe you say you're reading too much into this. Oh, his, you'll see his attitude. Look in verse 8. He says, Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto you. Who's that sound like? There was a guy standing and praying on the street corner in Luke chapter 18, and what did he say? In essence, the same thing, right? He was a Pharisee. And that Pharisee stood on that corner, and he said, I thank God I'm not like all these other people that do all of these things. I do this. Isn't that what Jonah's saying, the same thing? Why even pray about those who regard worthless idols, forsake their own mercy? See, he's not repenting. He says, but I will sacrifice unto you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Let me ask you something. When Nathan come to David and he said, David, you've done all these things in essence, what did David say? I have sinned. And don't you read the same thing all throughout the Bible? When somebody is brought face to face with their sin, I have sinned. I have sinned. Where's that at? It's not there. It's not there. You see, because ultimately Jonah has not changed his mind. And I'll prove that. You get on into chapter 3, the word of the Lord comes to him the second time, and Jonah goes to the nation of Israel. He preaches. What happens? God forgives the people. What happens to Jonah? He's angry. He's angry. You see, Jonah is not the man 
uh, that he needs to be. All right, just a couple things. I'm out of time. You know, normally when we read the Old Testament, Jews are the heroes, right? And the Gentiles are the dogs. We read that over and over and over again. What do we see in this story? Exact opposite, right? You see Gentile men on the boat, heathens, that are far more morally upright than Jonah. And that is pointing us toward the New Testament. Because you read all that through the Bible, and then you get to Christianity and the church beginning, doesn't the roles reverse? And now the Gentiles are the ones accepting the truth, and the Jews are the ones that are stubbornly rejecting it. You see, all of this book teaches us a lot of things. I want to ask you some questions here. When it comes to the sailors in Jonah, which one of them prayed during a storm? Just the sailors. I made a chart. Which one of them dealt with their sins? It wasn't Jonah. The sailors, oh God, please don't hold this against us. I mean, they're, they're begging. Forgive us. Do all these things. Which one worshipped the God of heaven? One of the sailors, not Jonah. Which one had compassion out of the two? One of the sailors, not Jonah. Which one tried to save the ship? I mean, be honest. If Jonah really cared about these people or anybody in particular, wouldn't he have been trying to lighten the load? Wouldn't he have been trying to roll hard to shore? He didn't do any of those things. So again, he's selfish. Which one tried to save Jonah? You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Jonah, wouldn't Jonah want to save Jonah? I would think so. He didn't try to save himself. Sailors tried to. Which one wanted to live? Well, the sailors did, not Jonah. Which one was scared of sin? The sailors, not Jonah. Which one feared to God? Well, it was the sailors, not Jonah. You know, Israel and Jonah, both of them were chosen. Israel was God's chosen people. Jonah, if you're a prophet, you're chosen of the Lord. We learned that, that from the book of Jeremiah. You know, he told Jeremiah, before you were born, I, I chose you, I sanctified you to be a prophet. Both were chosen, both rebelled, both were disciplined. Both were hardened, and both knew God and knew everything that had to do with all of that, but they both refused to repent. I want you to see those things out of the book of Jonah. You know, ultimately, when it comes to, to the New Testament, this is the last thing, I promise I'm done. Jesus says there's two commandments that are greater than anyone, anything else. Number one is what? Love God. And if you love God, you keep His commandments. Jesus told us that. Number two is... Love your neighbor. Love the people around you. Which one of those did Jonah keep? He didn't love God. He didn't love his neighbor. And that's why the book of Jonah ends, not like man would have wrote it. But you see, again, God is showing us. Jonah is just like the nation of Israel. Stubborn and not penitent whatsoever. I appreciate your attention. I, I've got more to say, but our time is up. Thank you.